Sunday night services and Wednesday night. Uh, a lot of churches today are are not having uh, Sunday night services, and I I think back over my experience in the church, and I can say uh, undoubtedly that some of the most uh, uh, some of the most uh, wonderful uh, times I've had in the church in church family is. Uh, um, on on a Sunday night, I, I'm sorry. I, I I think I forgot to turn it. Oh yeah, I got it. Uh, but uh, I, I commend you for that. Uh, even if uh, you just gather for a uh, prayer, uh, it, it's always good to have that Sunday night service. I want to encourage you in that. Um, you know, it has been said that uh, everybody's worldview actually changes 30 minutes after dinner. <laughs> and and I'm going to respect that. I'm going to respect the fact that we have eaten a great meal and uh, and we're, we're kind of settled and warm and comfy. Uh, but I trust that uh, the few words that I do speak to you this afternoon will, will be enlightening as well as encouraging to you. I'd like us to open our Bible to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke for a little while this afternoon. Luke chapter 7. We'd like to title our study, Eyes That See. Eyes That See. You know, Solomon taught us, didn't he, that the seeing eye and the hearing ear are both from the Lord. Uh, Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, uh, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. The, you know, there are a lot of things that we can't see. There are a lot of things that we refuse to see. And sometimes there are things that we should see that we're not cognizant of. And in the ministry of Jesus Christ, this is a very precious story in his ministry, a tender story I love to reflect upon, beginning with verse, verse uh, 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, Christ, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, and, and wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself and said, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love me the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he 
forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? Do you have eyes to see this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. Now to me, this is just such a tender story in the, the ministry of Christ. Now he's in the Galilean ministry. I know we like to attribute this uh, story to Mary because a similar occurrence happened in Judea. But this is, this is a different woman. This is a different time in the ministry of Christ. And, and this is in the Galilean portion of his ministry before he goes to Jerusalem to be crucified. And here Jesus um, is um, going to teach us something about seeing people. And, and I would that all of us would heed this lesson. But of course, in reference to Jesus, he sees like no one else does. Because, see, he, he is able to see our hearts, and we, of course, can't see each other's hearts. But there's something here that I want us to underscore in our own personal experience as we live in a world full of sinners. And when we admittedly are among those who sin, we who are imperfect, we who continue to struggle with various issues in life, and, and we face and are confronted by that kind of uh, uh, hardness uh, each morning we look into the mirror because we see ourselves as truly, truly a sinner. Now, my first point is that in this, this woman, when we see her on the pages of Scripture, she is described as a sinner. But many of us who study the Bible realize that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Apostle Paul taught, taught us emphatically, all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Uh, I find it interesting that even though uh, the law uh, condemns uh, sinners and condemns a woman in this particular condition um, to be stoned, the law might condemn, but Jesus is here to forgive. We need to rejoice in the fact this morning that Jesus is the friend of sinners. He's one that comes alongside those that are downtrodden, those that are defeated, those 
who may have come to a point in life where they just give up. Now, we don't see or have insight into what this particular woman has suffered. You know, she's clearly um, in trouble. Uh, she's, she's clearly someone who has been hurt, uh, perhaps by many men, many individuals in her life. She is described first in our study as a, a sinner, and we relate to that part of her. But Jesus is looking at her through another lens. He's, Jesus is not looking at her in the same way that the Pharisee or the religionist does. Jesus is looking at her with eyes of compassion, recognizing that someone in this kind of lifestyle has often been wounded by many, many people in their lives. And instead of condemning this woman, he's willing to help her. But this woman is not only a sinner, but she's also a seeker. And that's important for us to understand. You know, David said in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, I'm a seeker. I'm, I'm someone that can't get enough of God, can't get enough of His Word. I, I can't get enough of knowing more and more about Jesus. Who is it then that this woman represents? She represents the sinner, but she also represents the seeker. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Seek and ye shall find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I wonder if we really believe that. I wonder if we really believe what Jesus told us uh, anymore. Uh, I, I question that in my own life. Do I really believe that? Because he told us emphatically, if you seek, you shall find. Now, seeking in faith, uh, seeking uh, in sincerity, uh, seeking with the right attitude that I really am not worthy of anything that he would do for me, this woman is expressing that kind of ideology. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Seek those things, if he, since you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. I, I, I want to be a seeker. How about you? I realize I'm a sinner, but I want to be a seeker. I want to know more about this Savior. I want to know more about His love. And I want to know more about His forgiveness so that that, that would enable me to forgive others also in my life. I, I think about this in, in the context of this story this, this afternoon. She's not only a seeker, but... We find that she's also uh, one that is willing to sacrifice. Uh, turn back to verse 37. This woman, is, uh, which is a sinner, who is a seeker, when she knew that Jesus sat at the meat in, in, in Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. This box or this flask of expensive ointment. This, this is expressive of worship. Third point, 
sacrifice. You show me somebody that is actually, actually sincere in their seeking after God, I'll show you someone that's also sincere about the sacrifices that they're willing to make to serve God. Here she expresses that beautiful attribute of a regenerated heart. Here is an act of worship. She's bringing what she could. She's bringing um, what she had at her disposal. See, brothers and sisters, God will never require of you, listen carefully, God will never require of you something that you do not have to give. Now, men do that. Companies do that. Bosses do that. Employers do that. But God never will. He'll never ask you to give something that you do not have to give. So here is this woman, and she has this expensive ointment in this expensive flask. And the interesting thing about this, if you study the alabaster flasks that they used, when they would, when they would put the ointment into the flask itself, they would seal it with um, um, uh, another um, alabaster um, pig, and it had to be broken. It could only be used once. This flask could only be used once. And, and you know, uh, I'm going to get a little historical, not hysterical, but historical with you just a moment. In, in studying about this, I found it interesting that one of the gifts that a father would give to his daughter while she was still in his home, you know, the daughter would be preparing for marriage. You know, she'd have her little hope chest. You know, Mama would often uh, give the daughter uh, fabric, uh, uh, cloth, uh, dishes, things that uh, would prepare this, this, this young woman to marry. Well, in Jewish culture, a father would often give his daughter a flask of ointment that she would use to anoint the head of her husband on the wedding night. And I thought that was an intriguing thing in relationship to this story. You know, maybe this woman, who knows, but maybe this woman um, had been lied to. Maybe, maybe this woman had been deceived. Maybe this woman had been forsaken. Maybe there's a reason she has this flask. Maybe that man that she was promised went away and married another. We don't know her story. But we do know that she has this flask. And we do know that she could only use it one time. And we do know that the only time she used it was to anoint the feet of Jesus. This is an act of worship. This is an act of love. It's, a, it's a, a, a tremendous picture in, in my mind, and I hope in yours, uh, as we think about the significance of the gifts that we bring to the Savior. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, how that Abel was testified to be a follower of God by the gifts that he offered. In other words, he was identified by what he gave unto the Lord. And so it is. 
You and I are called, according to 1 Peter 2, verse 5, you and I are called to be uh, a priest to offer spiritual gifts uh, to our risen Savior and, and to uh, uh, sacrifice in His worship and in his, in his service. So here we're learning something about this sinner who was a seeker, who sacrificed the most valuable thing that she had uh, to demonstrate her love for, for the Savior. But it goes beyond that to servants, servanthood. Notice in verse 44. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I want you to see this woman for who she really is. She's a sinner that's saved. She's a seeker that has found. She's a, a sacrificer that I'm acknowledging, that I'm, I'm blessing. She's a servant. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 28. He said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to, uh, minister, uh, to uh, minister to others and give himself uh, his life for them. Jesus came as a servant. Um, think about that just a minute. Jesus Christ came to serve. Um, how different that is. How, uh, can I use the word radical? How radical is that concept? You know, all of the kings that you read about historically would gather their armies so that their armies would shed their blood for the king. But when Jesus came, he told his army that he would shed his blood for them. It's a radical, radical concept. It's a radical thing to think about Jesus as the Son of God coming into the world to serve. In Philippians chapter 2, you know, the Apostle Paul said, Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant. That's amazing, isn't it? It's radical. And so it is. This woman is following that radical lifestyle. You know, I mentioned a moment ago that there was another occasion when... Um, uh, a woman named Mary. She's identified there. And she took uh, her precious ointment and anointed the head and the feet of Jesus. And you remember what the disciples said? Do you, do you all recall the story? Remember Judas came up, but he wasn't the only ones. But Judas came up and said, You know, this, what means this waste? This ointment could be sold for much and given to the poor. And John says, not that he cared for the poor, but he was a keeper of the purse. He was interested in the money that could be generated from the sale of that uh, very precious ointment. But don't miss this. It also says, and so said the other disciples. So everybody was questioning the wisdom of taking this precious ointment and anointing the feet and the head of Jesus Christ. But what Jesus was looking at was not the value of what was given, but the heart behind what was given. That's what he saw as being precious. Here it's the same way. 
Jesus is looking at the heart of this servant. And here she is, and he's seeing her for who she is in a born-again state. She is valuable to him. Um, Service is something that always follows true worship. Do you see this woman? In verse 47, he says, Wherefore I say unto you, her sins which are many. He's not ignoring the fact that she had sinned. It's the same way in the church. We're, we're not, you know, the church is made up of sinners. Somebody says, well, Brother Jeff, I'm going to find a perfect church, and when I do, I'm going to join it. But if you join it, you're going to ruin it, because the moment you join it, it becomes imperfect. The church is made up of imperfect individuals. And we're called upon to, to deal with sin. And we're going to have to deal with it uh, in our members. We're going to have to deal with it. But be careful how we deal with it. Be careful to know and to understand that uh, the church in exercising true discipline, it's not to destroy that individual. It's to restore them. That's what Jesus is teaching this proud Pharisee. This old Pharisee is saying, well, I wouldn't have anything to do with her. I, I, I wouldn't have anything to do with uh, what she is uh, offering me. I, I wouldn't do that because uh, I, I would feel defiled. But Jesus said, I am being blessed because of the heart of this servant that has been brought to a place where she acknowledges me as Lord. She acknowledges me as Savior. You see, that's the key. We need to remember that we are all sinners saved by the sovereign grace of God. And because of that, we should see others in that way. We should see others as Christ sees us. Isn't that what Paul taught? In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 34 when he said, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven who? You. See, Simon forgot that. Simon was not able to see with the eyes of Christ. So he couldn't couldn't perceive the value of what she was doing. Now watch the last point here this afternoon. He says in verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee her sins, which are many, are forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't, how do you think she felt when she heard those words? I just want to ask, how do you think this woman felt when she heard words from the mouth of Christ that she had never heard from anyone else? How do you think someone who has sinned against the church, who has sinned um, against Christ in the church, How do you think it makes them feel when they hear the church restore them after their repentance, restore them and say, brother, sister, we forgive you. Think about it. There's power in those words, friends. There's power in forgiveness. Here's the lesson. Jesus is teaching all of us. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she, listen here, watch this. For she loved much. 
How did she love much? Well, it was because of her actions. It, it was because of her, her actions revealed the repentance in her heart. See, that's, that's how we know people are truly repentant of sin. It's not that they come and say, oh, I'm sorry I did that. But it's that they come brokenhearted and you see in their life that they've stopped doing that. That's, that's repentance. And here, here's this person. And she's hearing these words. She's never heard anybody. Remember they said of Jesus, never spake any man like this man spake. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. We can just feel her heart leap for joy. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now, isn't that true? Brothers and sisters, isn't that our experience? Those that maybe have been raised up in the church, those that uh, have not lived as wild a life as other people, uh, sometimes we can't even we, we we can't even relate to the stories they're telling us uh, about the path that led them to the Lord. We can't even relate to that because we've never been uh, on that side of life. But isn't it amazing that he says these are the very individuals? The, the people that we would have the greatest suspicion of. The, the, the people that we would probably have the greatest reservation toward. Are the very people that the Lord said he can use in a mighty way. Is there a lesson in that for you? How do you see others? How do you see yourself? Then Jesus turns to the woman, and, and I love the, uh, you know, I love the personal character of this story. Because she's hearing this dialogue, right? But now the eyes of Jesus are directly toward this woman who was a sinner, a seeker, a sacrificer, and one that came to be a servant. And he says to her in verse 50, Thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. Never, ever minimize the value of faith. Faith is a gift from God to you. And, and, and you know, I, I'm serious. In, in the years that I uh, enjoyed pastoring among God's people, I, I found that it wasn't a lack of faith in the church that really caused the problem. It was the lack of using faith that caused the problem. Here is someone that exercised that faith that God had graciously given to her. And that was the very instrument through which she would experience the saving knowledge of who Christ was, is, and will always be. He is the Savior of sinners. Thy faith hath saved thee. What did Paul say in Hebrews 11 verse 6? Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I believe, brothers and sisters, that this woman is a great example of what we should be as sinners forgiven by God's grace 
Let us continue to seek. <laughs> Let us continue to sacrifice. Let us continue to serve. And let us continue to experience the joy of not only being forgiven ourselves, but the joy of forgiving others. Let's pray together. Kind Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us eyes to see ourselves and our own needs, 